This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. Two little heroes set out on the adventure of a mice time. <laughs> it's the rescuers, and this film is lit. I'm really glad we captured you laughing at your own really bad pun. It's a great pun. It's a really bad How pun. How dare you? Hello, welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. Uh, it's been, we took a little break, mm-hmm. we reviewed Star Wars, but uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've had a main episode, we're returning with a bang, with The Rescuers, the 1967 77. Disney film. Katie, we do not have a guess who this week. No. All of the descriptions in this book are of mice. <laughs> True. So. So, depending on what some of the descriptions are, I feel like it could work, but let's move right on to Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. There is too much. Let me sum up. You've told me these are pretty different, so mm-hmm. you're going to go ahead and do the book, brief book synopsis. Mm-hmm. Reminder, you read the first two or, or parts of the second one to prepare and the whole yeah. first one, which is <laughs> kind of a, because this is like kind of an amalgamation of stuff, apparently. So I'm going to plug my ears and listen and then let you explain the rescuers of the book. All right, so book one is The Rescuers, Um, and in this book, we are introduced to the Rescue Aid Society, um, which is a society of mice whose mission is to comfort prisoners. In this book, they embark upon their first rescue mission um, to free a poet from the dreaded uh, Black Castle. Um, so, uh, our heroes, Bernard and Miss Bianca and another mouse named, uh, Niall, um, set out to achieve that end. They are victorious. Everyone is happy. In book two, which is called Miss Bianca, um, Miss Bianca sets out to rescue a little orphan girl named Patience from uh, the clutches of the evil duchess who resides in the Diamond Palace. She is successful. Everyone is happy. Hooray. So, The Rescuers, the movie, the first one, we're not talking about Down Under here, uh, pretty pretty, pretty straightforward, so I think I can bang through this pretty quick. If you haven't seen it in a long time, obviously spoilers abound, but starts out a uh, little girl is on, a, on a, a boat in a swamp. She drops a bottle with a note in it, an SOS, into the water. It washes around and is discovered by some Mises that live in New York City. Uh, they are part of the Rescue Aid Society, which is like a, a group of international mice that meets in the in the walls of the UN. And they take up this rescue mission to save this girl or this person who sent this rescue note. They dispatch Bianca and Bernard, who is a janitor. Those are the two that end up going for whatever reason. They end up going... Uh, there's lots of hijinks along the way. They meet up with lots of other fun characters. There's a, a not a seagull, but uh, some sort of bird that flies them places. Uh, there's a there's a little dragonfly named Evanrude who's like a motor for a boat who drives them around. When they get to the swamp, they run into a bunch of swamp friend creatures. There's like there's like a kangaroo. I don't even. <laughs> I don't know what all is going on down in that swamp, but there's all <laughs> kinds of random animals down there. Uh, there's like a turtle and stuff. Um, but they find out that this evil lady Medusa who runs a pawn shop, she has kidnapped this little girl, this orphan Penny from the orphanage. They met the cat at the, there's a cat at the orphanage. It's, we'll talk, it's not important. Um, they find out, so they go down to the swamp and these, this, this evil lady Medusa and her, her partner in crime, Snoop, 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 Snoops, something like that are using this little girl because she's small enough to fit down into this cave because they're trying to find, a big precious diamond 
and so ultimately the rescuers meet up with Penny uh, and they help her find the diamond down in the cave. And then after recovering it to Medusa, Medusa is then attacked by all of the people. She double crosses her partner. She's attacked by all of the animals of the swamp. Crazy ruckus nonsense ensues with fireworks and, and all kinds of stuff. She loses the diamond. She gets stuck in the swamp. Our 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 heroes, Penny and uh, Bernard and Bianca, uh, they get the diamond. They save the day. They get back home. Bianca, uh, uh, Penny gets adopted. Happy ending. And then Bernard and Bianca are on to their next mission. The end. All right. That was it. That's pretty much it if you haven't seen it in a while. Let's go ahead and ask because I got lots of questions about things if they were, uh, was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? I want to start with a disclaimer. Okay. I read the entirety of the first book. Okay. The second book, I read the first half and then skimmed the second half because it got here yesterday. Yeah, well, you were on a bit of a short time frame with the a second A little one. bit of a time crunch. Not, and they're not crazy long, but you were working, obviously, and it was yeah. a bit, bit tight to finish it in time, so you didn't quite get there, but it's all right. But I skimmed it. I have a good idea of, of what happened. I might miss a, a detail here or there. Also, I read these first two books because according to all the sources that I could find, these are what the movie is allegedly based on. Yeah. There's also like nine books in this series, I think it was. Oh, yeah. So it's totally possible that they pulled from those other yeah. seven books. All right. Interesting. But supposedly it's based on the first book is what I thought. Yeah, the first two. The first two. Yeah. Okay. So first thing, uh, the inciting incident is a little girl tossed an SOS into a swamp and that's what starts our story on its journey. No. Okay. <laughs> is there an international group of mice that go on rescue missions? Um, it, it is a group of mice. It does not seem to be an international group of mice. Okay. Um, it appears to be a British group of mice. Okay. I think. Um, in the beginning of the first book, their mission is to comfort prisoners. Um, but that book is also about their first attempted rescue mission. Okay. So they do rescue people. Yes. Are they called the Rescue Aid Society? Yes. All right. Does the Rescue Aid Society meet in the walls of the UN? No, but there is an embassy nearby. Okay. Miss Bianca comes from the embassy, the Nor Norwegian embassy. She's Hungarian in the movie. But yes. Is that what it is in the book? No, she's Norwegian in the okay. book. <laughs> so there's another difference. <laughs> so, so far, nothing is the same. We'll see when I get to more of the actual plot. This is a little moment in the beginning of the film is when they're getting ready to go on the mission. Bianca volunteers and uh, the leader of the Rescue Aid Society is like, silly lady. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Rescue uh, missions are for boys. Is that casual sexism there in the book? Um, I mean, it is the 70s, so like, it's not like it's... Yeah. Out of place or anything, I'm just wondering. There's, like, a lot to unpack here. Okay. Um, neither the books nor the movie have aged, like, particularly well in this regard. There is a lot in the book about Miss Bianca being extremely feminine and using her femininity and all, like, her feminine instincts. Her feminine mice instincts? Yes. Nice. I, I think, like, if I sat and read the books really carefully yeah. and like pulled pieces out of them i think i could probably craft an argument that the author is like saying something right. with all of that but i'm not sure that it wholly pans out okay i think you could do it i think you could make that argument yeah would it be a totally valid argument i don't know okay so you're saying that like that that potentially through a reading of the books you could read it as a I think you could potentially read it through a early, a very early, early feminist lens. Okay. Potentially. And where her using her femininity is a, is a way of her reclaiming her power, but also in, in the face of the sort of weird patriarchal system that she's operating within. She's like yeah. playing the game. 
kind of like kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, she, knows what she's she doing. is the hero yeah. of the books. I mean, Bernard is more of a minor character okay. in these. Which, yeah, I think is kind of supposed to be what it is yeah. in, in the movie, but it kind of turns into more of like a, a two-hander where they're both yeah. kind of weak leads. But And the movie is just kind of casually sexist because it was the 70s. Yeah. And that was a thing. Yeah, it is and, a I mean, thing. and she does, yeah. It, she, she does kind of like scoff at them about it yeah although when bernard is like i don't think she should go because it's dangerous for some reason this endears him to her yeah she's like she's like he doesn't believe in me (laughs) break me off a piece of that (laughs) yeah uh is bernard a janitor no he is a member of the rescue aid society he is actually um has like a, a medal for i think they called it uh valor in the face of cats okay that's what yeah, i mean it's he fun has, yeah he has a medal for doing brave things interesting i think it is interesting though too it's kind of funny that he's um that switched to a janitor i don't know if you have it later if we'll talk about it at all but that is an interesting choice mm-hmm. to make your protagonist like a, a a laborer a man of the people yeah. as it were I, I guess we don't know what the other people do but they all seem to be like in the movie, all of the other members of the society mm-hmm. seem to be like elites of some yeah, sort. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all like delegates. dignitaries. They're yeah, dignitaries. They're politicians. Yeah, but he's just like the lowly janitor. Yeah, who, that was interesting. Okay, I liked that. Is the villain of this uh, of the of the book Medusa, the evil pawn shop owner? No, not a character from the books i figured that wouldn't be the case we talked about in the prequel episode that they didn't know who their villain was going to be at first and then mm-hmm. eventually it didn't they were it was going to be cruella de vil for a while yeah and this was going to be like in the the uh the 101 dalmatians verse or whatever they ultimately ended up uh, character or basing the character off one of the animators ex-wives so well and i don't i don't know if you noticed this they didn't use cruella de vil but they used a lot of footage of her car was that her car? Okay, because yeah. I recognize that. It's like pulled out of 101 Dalmatians. Interesting. It's like exact scenes of her car driving. Interesting. Uh, that's my... I mean, that was fairly common in this era of Disney yeah. animation. They are yeah. borrowing a lot of stuff to save money. Yeah. Is there an albatross flight service? That's what it is, an albatross, not a, not a seagull. Because um, <laughs> when I fly, albatross flight service scene hit, I realized, and I, I was starting to get the feeling over the course of the beginning of the movie, but I had seen this movie a lot of times as a child. Mm-hmm. I watched this one a lot when I was like real young, though. Like, I, I, I just, I, it's like I have like the sensory memory of it, not so much like any of the lines or the plot. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I just like remember the, the the scene where they're in the flying in an albatross, and the scene where he falls into a bottle in the beginning and during mm-hmm. the meeting, and like, yeah. It was very strange watching it again. Almost like a deja vu. Almost, yeah, where it's like, I don't have a memory of this, but I do. But boy, does it feel familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There is no Albatross flight service. Oh. I know. That's disappointing. I like that. Is the bad guy layer in the movie, this is, the bad guys hang out, and because they're trying to find this diamond in this cave in the swamp, and their layer in the movie is this old broken down steamboat, which is very like cool bad guy layery. Mm-hmm. Is that in the book? No, it's not. Um, the books do have some kind of like neat imaginative locations, though. Um, in the first book, they're rescuing someone from the Black Castle, which is like a giant like dungeon castle. Yeah. Um, surrounded by a moat in the middle of a desert somehow um Wild. i know and then in book two they have to rescue someone from uh the diamond palace which is as it exactly sounds it's a, a palace, palace made of made diamond? diamonds wow. yeah i know it's very luxe it's very luxe does it uh, is there <laughs> So we know that the villain in the book, or at least the first two books, isn't uh, Medusa, the evil pawn shop owner. But do, do, does either any of the villains have two pet alligators? No. Um, there are two guard dogs in book two named Tyrant and Torment. Mm, okay. um, so possibly some inspiration yeah. for like the two alligator characters. Yeah, for sure. Is there, does the evil villain have a jet ski? No jet ski. A swamp skis. jet ski. No. I that thing was another one of the things that I vividly remember like 
I vividly remembered is not the right word, but like had that weird memory of because I, I always thought it would be super fun to drive when I was a little mm-hmm. kid. It's like a jet powered swamp jet ski. It's, it's like a, very... a speedboat kind of a thing, right? Yeah, they of? they like ride it like they they straddle their legs on it like a like a sea do. Yeah, but it's like jet powered. Yeah slash steam power I, it's so weird and cool <laughs> and i always thought it was super cool and looked like it would be fun to ride um well the villain doesn't ride a jet ski at all in these books there is at one point a mouse-sized speedboat that they ride on oh okay. so that's like kind of close-ish so but they don't have the dragonfly i'll just skip ahead the, the dragonfly speedboat no oh i know Evan Reed's cool. I liked him. It is a little, it's weird, though, that a dragonfly has a tongue. I will say that. I'm not <laughs> sure that that follows anatomically. I think you're but, probably right, but... He is cute. Is So this is a weird, just a little thing. that in Are there any characters that have uh, giant jugs of super special secret booze that, that <laughs> gives you superpowers a la Popeye? <laughs> Because that happens several times in this movie, yeah. and it was funny because when the, we turned the movie on at the beginning, it was on uh, Disney Plus. At the beginning, the little like rating thing popped up in the corner, and it's the only thing it said was, uh, and I don't even remember this. I guess somebody might smoke a cigarette at some point, but I don't remember it. It said like tobacco use or something, but it didn't say anything about the numerous occasions of people <laughs> drinking like moonshine and getting superpowers <laughs> from it. <laughs> Which I was like, all right. I don't know. Yeah, it's not in the books. Maybe they just thought they could like get a like not mention it because they never specifically call it. Like, I mean, it's I mean, it's obvious. Clearly, like, it's, yeah, some sort of moonshine or something. Yeah. But like to a dumb kid, like maybe a I kid wouldn't. Yes. Well, would a dumb kid know what a I guess it's dumb. Yeah, I feel like if you're content warning tobacco use, and again, I don't even remember that happening. Medusa must have had a cigarette at some point. Yeah, I don't remember, but then she I, must have. Yeah, she must have. Then I, it's, it just seems so strange to me to not have a note about alcohol. Yeah, I don't know. Like it is weird. A plot point in the movie that I it's mean, like they a don't, good thing. They don't mark the jug XXX either. No, they don't. So don't maybe think. they're they maybe they were gonna like make an argument that it's not actually moonshine. It's just gasoline. <laughs> it's just literal it's gasoline. Gasoline. It's just really special juice, you guys. Yeah, it's just real special special uh swamp juice. Yeah. That makes your eyes go crazy and, <laughs> and cough makes you cough it's not booze though it's not for sure fire not booze. water at for all. sure not booze <laughs> for sure not so the whole plot of this movie is that the bad guys steal this orphan and i couldn't remember in the beginning i was like why the heck did they steal an orphan that's weird but they hold they steal this orphan so that the orphan can fit down a hole to steal a diamond is that is, is there any relevance is that or any connection to something like that in the books that you read no. Uh, in book two, Miss Bianca saves an orphan little girl, but she was kidnapped by the duchess who lives in the Diamond Palace. Mm. Um, literally just because she wanted someone to abuse. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. I, um, that's fun. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think it's like the funniest scene in the movie. And it's another one of those things that I didn't remember that I remembered until I watched it. And that's the scene where the... The mice uh, or Bianca and Bernard end up in the uh, the organ, and they're they start uh, the the alligators start playing the organ to get them to blow out the top so they can catch them. That scene is so much fun. Is that in the book? It's not. Oh, what a delightful scene! It's so <laughs> funny watching the alligators because one, it's stupid that the alligators are playing organ. They, yeah, that they know how it works. I mean, I guess it, this whole movie's animals doing things animals don't know how to do but still there's something about those weird those two dumb alligators like yeah playing organ and the other one trying to catch them and then like the way they're like flying up out of the thing is like very whimsical it is like i also like miniature things is another thing this movie reminded me of is that like when i was a kid like the idea of little miniature things is always really fun and this movie has not that they're miniature but like because they're mice they're like riding in sardine cans strapped Mm -hmm. to albatrosses backs and that kind of stuff was always like fun to me as a kid yeah it's neat yeah it's creative 
I like that scene too. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about that scene is when they show close ups of creepy alligator hands. Oh, I love it. They're like, I don't like that. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> it's great. So, is there quite as much sad crying orphan in the book? Because holy, holy cow, this movie goes so hard in the paint on the sad orphan. Like every scene Penny is in, she's just like, I'm so sad and an orphan. Like the whole like over and over, like every scene, and it's like, okay, we get it. Um, they go in for a little bit of that in book two, which is the book with the orphan right. in it. Uh, I would say maybe not quite as much as the movie does. It's just a little maudlin. It's a little like it's okay. a little Dickensian. Yeah, it, like being an orphan is her primary trait. Yeah, like literally, like that's yeah. her character is is she's an orphan. she's an orphan. Yeah. She doesn't do anything over the course of the movies. Like, she doesn't have any secondary, at least not that I recall, she didn't have any, like, secondary characteristics. She's kind of sassy. Yeah, she does. She kind of, but she's a little kid. Like, they're also, but yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But, like, yeah, being an orphan is, like, that's that's her thing. That's who and a her sad character one. is. Not yes, even like a, sad. Not even, like, a, a quirky, like, spunk, <laughs> spunky one, like, like Annie or something. Like, she's just a sad orphan. I mean, I too would be sad if I was an orphan kidnapped by villains. I, I'm not saying, I just, I don't know. It just felt like they were really leaning into it in a way that felt real cheap and easy. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. All right, last question. Uh, is there a whole gang of swamp creatures and do they attack the villain at the end? No and no. Okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. I feel like I had to tell you that all of your favorite stuff was not from the book. Well, nothing that I asked you was in the book, so (laughs) yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about what was lost in adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, was lost. Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. Really does have one question here, and I wanted to see if there was any more background, because it's really kind of rushed through pretty quickly in the movie. Uh, and that is the Rescue Aid Society. Do we go and find out any more about this organization in the books, about what they're about, what their deal is, like what's what's up with them? It's essentially the same thing, except that their mission initially is to comfort and help prisoners, but not necessarily to rescue them. Okay. I think it's meant to be inspired by the lion and the mouse from Aesop's Fables. Because that's what they show on the wall, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's what they the show movie. on the wall. Yeah, which I don't know that fable, so I don't... It's about a mouse who helps a lion, and then the lion doesn't eat him because he helped him. Oh, fair basically. enough. Okay. Yeah, because that's what they, they mentioned that in the movie. And I just... Uh, it's interesting. So were they always called the Rescue Aid Society, even when they were just like comforting prisoners or whatever? I think it starts as the Prisoner's Aid Society. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, did they just decide that they're like, screw this, we're doing something? I mean, that's kind of what it seems like from book one to book two. Oh, so that like so, that's where it just switches, like yeah, it kind of like switches. It, like at least that's what it seemed like to me. We when we did the prequel, we talked a little bit about how the first book was supposedly intended to be for adults. Yeah, and then so maybe she just like went full hog in on it when she decided to write them for kids well i think you could also see if you decide to make it a series i think it makes perfect sense that okay i can't write a whole series where somebody just goes and like hangs out with a prisoner (laughs) and like that's fair like what i mean because like what are the stakes in the first one in the first book like what's going on so without getting like crazy in depth you know what i mean like in the first book they find out that a a poet is being held prisoner in the Black Castle. And um, I think it's the chairwoman who puts forth the notion, well, we should actually try to rescue. Oh, okay. So they do end up rescuing him in in that one, but they they don't start with that necessarily. Right, they don't start with that necessarily as like the goal of their group. Right, so she puts forth the idea that they should try to rescue him because poets are especially complimentary of mice. Mm. So they like poets a lot. And then so they end up rescuing this poet at the end of the first one. And they don't say anything at the end like, now we're the rescuer society? No. Okay. 
I don't know. It just seems like they should be like, you know what? From now on, this is what we're doing. It just seems like I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You read it. I'm just asking if it happened or not. I'm not asking. Okay. Well, I don't know what their like motivation was. I don't know what their thought process was here. Okay. I'll take your word they for it. They were weird books. Fantastic. Let's find out what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. I hate the movie's portrayal of Bernard. Okay. I, th- I think potentially there's something to be said for making him like a blue collar mouse. A mouse amongst uh, <laughs> amongst all this. A, ma- a real mouse's mouse. Or a mouse's mouse. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if that like kind of holds through to the book because they all seem pretty normal in yeah. the book, with the exception of Miss Bianca, who yeah. is a high society mouse. Gotcha. Um, but in the book, he's more like a sturdy farm boy kind of a type. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't come from a farm, but, like, that's, like, his archetype. Yeah. Um, but, like, he totally believes in Miss Bianca's capability. Yeah. And he defends her against other characters who say that she's useless. Mm. Unlike movie Bernard. Yeah. Who's really patronizing, and then she likes that for yeah, some that reason. Yeah, that was really strange to me. And also, the movie portrayal of them, like, then the the movie goes way harder on them as a couple oh, yeah. than the books do. At least in these first two, they kind of, like, have crushes on each other. Yeah. But they don't, like, get together. And the movie goes way harder on that. Yeah. But the movie also comes way too close to being my least favorite trope ever maybe in the history of tropes which is the schlubby hubby and the beautiful wife yeah yeah because yeah for sure the way they're i mean they're mice but the way they're drawn and and sort of portrayed and like by the voice you know the voice acting i mean they're yeah they're a sitcom couple they're a sitcom couple of him being the bumbling kind of like yeah and then the gorgeous wife who's with him for no conceivable reason that the audience can see yeah which again it would have made perfect sense in the movie like you had said with the book if if she had been like i can go i can do this and they're like woman no and and bernard was like let her go and then they like make him go with her yeah like as you know like oh okay you think she can do it well you get to babysit like they yeah as which is kind of what happens in the movie but but it's what that's what happens in the movie except they don't have or no she picks him yeah, that's she right. Picks so that's him. not what happens. Yeah, no. they should make him go with is like, well, if you think she can do it, <laughs> you'll go. Why don't you go watch her fail? Yeah, you know. But he's like, no, she. You know, that would be interesting. But that's a little too aggressive for 1970s yeah. Disney. So, so as much as I like the old man cat character in this movie, mm-hmm. I like him a lot. I think he's, he's cute, adorable. Um, he's got a mustache. <laughs> there was also, there's a mean cat character in the first book. He's oh. like a giant evil cat. Isn't there an evil cat in Down Under? Maybe I'm misremembering. There's an evil iguana. I, it's Are been a long of the iguana? time since I've seen. And I don't think I saw <laughs> Down Under as many times as I saw the first one, but I could be wrong. So I don't, I don't remember, so. Okay. Um, but there are a couple of fun scenes in that first book where Miss Bianca just like outsmarts him and like runs circles around him, which I think could have been interesting. Yeah. To watch her character do. Yeah, you don't get a lot of. I guess that's one of the things is that you don't get. They don't do a lot in this yeah. movie. Really, like, like yeah, and there's a lot more of like particularly of her being pretty competent. Yeah. In these books. And, like, sometimes she's getting lucky. Yeah. Sure. But she's also pretty competent. Yeah. Yeah, this movie doesn't really have as much of that. Like, it feels like a lot of the time it's, like, it's, 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 there's, like, it's, like, luck or, like. I mean, the kid comes up with the whole plan for yeah. them to escape. Yeah, the end of it, like, the kid comes up with the plan and, and then, like, all the animals show up and, yeah. like, end up kind of saving everything. Like, they don't do a whole lot. Yeah, it is interesting. Some rescuers. Yeah, yeah. They don't even do that much rescuing. They really don't. I mean, well, they they do rescue the one person they're trying to rescue, but it's hardly their own doing. <laughs> 
see you, Disney. We're out here poking holes in your plot. Maybe they do more rescuing in Down Under. I don't remember. I don't remember Maybe they're either. more competent. So if I'm being honest, I generally thought the books were kind of boring, which okay. I'll talk a little bit more about later. But there were some elements, particularly from the second book, that I think would have been cool to see in animated form. Mm-hmm. I think the Diamond Palace yeah, could have been, been cool. Um, that book also has clockwork ladies in waiting, like some real like I don't know what Doctor Who. Kind oh, of stuff. like like uh, yeah, they're um, like what's the word for uh, clockwork automaton, an, a, automatons? Or something I don't know. Like that? They're clockwork um, robots, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so I thought that could have been cool. Yeah, that would be creepy and cool. Yeah. All right, that was it for better in the book. Let's move on and talk about what was better in the film. My life has taught me one lesson hugo and not the one i thought it would happy endings only happen in the movies i thought starting with penny and then following the bottle was a good call mm-hmm. um, it creates some mystery you don't know who she is why she's sending sos messages yeah. um, and then it helps uh set up what the rescue aid society is going to be about rather than having to like exposition it a whole lot which is what happens in the book yeah like we spend like the first chapter or so explaining what the society is and like yeah. kind of the history of it yeah yeah you just kind of jump right in the movie you yeah. get the message and they're like let's go help them yeah and you don't you don't even need to spend that much time because they're literally called the rescue aid society and they get a help letter for help so you're like i'm on it i got it right let's go um, I also thought that making it more like the UN was kind of interesting. I think there were definitely some questionable yeah. ethnic portrayals. Nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, I think it is more interesting than just like a bunch of British mice. Yeah, I think to at least include that it was. A, I mean, now none of them do anything. Like, it's, right? It's they're just there in the beginning and and then at the end, I guess technically. Yeah. But it, yeah, so it's not like there's a lot. Again, no, I don't remember if Down Under does anything extra with any more of the characters kind of coming on the adventure or whatever. But yeah, Um, I I thought it was fun that it was in the UN. Like it was literally like just in the walls of the UN. Again, that's like that little, there's something about that is like that that thing that's just like fun when you're a kid. The the miniaturized version of the people thing. Yeah, it's magical. I liked the investigative element of the movie. Oh yeah, at the beginning. When yeah, it kind of a gives it kind of a serial like police show vibe where they're like going to the different locations yeah. and looking for clues. Yeah, it's I like a that was gentle cool. episode of SVU. Yeah, like the world's sweetest SVU episode <laughs> with mice. With mice. A couple quick things: Orville the albatross airplane. It's great. Dragonfly speedboat. Guard alligators. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penny the orphan has way more sass than Patience the orphan. <laughs> Patience the orphan, how's that? That is a heck of a. That's a. Yeah. That's 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 J.K. Some, Rowling uh, level on the right? nose. <laughs> <laughs> Naming of your characters. The scene where the alligators play the organ is really fun. I think it is a little bit like filler material. I don't think it's filler. It's it's an action. It's a set piece. Like, it really so. is kind of like a set piece. I just feel, I, I feel like there's a lot of filler in this movie generally. It's like overall. It is. It is. That was one of my notes. I was gonna have nods and ends, but we talk about now. I said it is one it, like a super simple. And now mm-hmm. a lot of the older Disney movies are pretty simple, but like you know, whereas newer some of the newer movies have much more epic, yeah, sort of tales. Right, know, and, and this this one is from a pretty specific era of yeah. Disney. Yeah, where they were putting out very cheaply produced. Yeah. And you can tell it doesn't look, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, there's some interesting, like, visual stuff at times, but it's not it's yeah. as gorgeous some as... Of, like, some of the paintings, like, the background paintings are interesting. Yeah, are really cool. But, like, overall, it kind of looks like a really well-produced episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, and some of the some of the, the animations of characters are definitely, like, seem pretty, like... And now again, I haven't watched a lot of old Disney to like compare mm-hmm. how like some like the oh, similar era stuff. There was a lot stuff. of like borrowing and rotoscoping. Yeah. In this era. Yeah, it just looked a lot of it looked you know not quite as uh, like you didn't spend quite as like a little bit more like first second drafty mm-hmm. and just go with it versus like refined animations yeah. that they well, spend a lot of time on. Something interesting too, actually speaking of borrowing animation. Um, 
we did a listener's choice for this one. We had the Rescuers, 101 Dalmatians, and Bambi. Yeah. We already talked about the animation that they borrowed from 101 Dalmatians, yeah. but they also borrowed animation from Bambi. Oh, did they? When she's looking out over the swamp and there's the two deer. Oh. That's, that's Bambi. Oh, and is his it? Mom. I didn't yeah. even notice that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, in a way, yeah. we hit we, we all three movies. We touched all three here. of our other movies that we had. It's like you did that on purpose. <laughs> I wish I could say I had done that on purpose. You know what? I did. I did do that on purpose. Back to my list. I thought there's lots of intrigue to having there be a pirate cave. Yeah, it's that's fun. it's fun. It's it's like a adventure story mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Goonies kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It is like a fun like adventure serial. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we gotta get the diamond from the cave. Um, and I thought the movie had a better escape than either of the books did like there's a lot of like goofy cartoony like chasing back and forth that's not particularly interesting yeah but overall the escape scene at the end of the movie is more interesting and suspenseful than what either of the books gave us like in the first book they kind of just walk out okay like they get really lucky and they arrive um well, I guess they're there for a while, but they find out that there's going to be this like huge feast and all of the guards are going to be like drunk and like too full to move. So they end up like they just wait for that to happen oh. and then they just like leave. <laughs> Great. Basically nailed it. <laughs> um, and the second book is a little more interesting than that, but it's really just like an extended chase scene without a lot of variation. So I thought that that what yeah. the movie did with the fireworks and yeah, the fireworks like, and trapping the yeah, trapping the alligators, the alligators and there's the like cage. a lot of like multiple elements and characters doing different things. Yeah, and then they so. get on the boat and they're driving around and she's water skiing and then they yeah yeah, yeah. So more interesting overall. Cool. All right, let's talk about a couple things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. These were all very different things. Yeah. Um, The basic premise, a society of mice who stage a rescue mission to help an orphaned girl. Yeah. They they, they got it. That that part, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They also really nailed how infatuated everyone is with Miss Bianca. She's a very sexy mouse. Very attractive Very attractive Mouse. The Lola Bunny of her day. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if there are like boomers with the same infatuation for Bianca I'm, as there are I would millennials with the infatuation for Lola are. Bunny. <laughs> but they're throughout both of these books, they were at times uncomfortable to read. What? Because there were like extended descriptions of how beautiful and alluring Miss Bianca is. Who wrote, this book? Who, who wrote like, these books? Who were you? What's the name of this author? In love with this mouse? Marjorie Sharp. Is Marjorie Sharp the world's first furry? Do we have the world's the- first furry? <laughs> I think you could probably look further back and well, find okay, more examples. Probably not the world's first furry. Of but. furries, but <laughs> I wouldn't remove it as a possibility. <laughs> Fantastic. Let, let me just hang on a minute. Yeah, I say you gotta get now. You gotta hit me with one of these. This is our first encounter with Miss Bianca. They they send Bernard to find her. Okay. She lives. She is a pet mouse. And she lives with the son of the ambassador. Her loveliness took Bernard's breath away. She was very small, but with a perfect figure, and her sleek, silvery white coat had all the soft riches of ermine. But her chief point of beauty was her eyes. The eyes of most white mice are pink. Stop it. <laughs> but Miss Bianca's were deep brown. In conjunction with her snowy head, they gave her the appearance of a powdered beauty of the court of Louis the Fifteenth. And this kind of thing just goes on <laughs> and on and on. Oh, that's great. I love it. That's all that the movie nailed. I'm done with the <laughs> <All> rest. <right. laughs> Fantastic. Let's move on and hit a few odds and ends before the final verdict. 
I thought, um, as is often the case with Disney movies, the villain is the most interesting part of this movie. Yeah. No, she. I, I think so, too. She is... She's she, a good villain. She's a good villain. She, she could have had more screen time yeah, than she for gets, sure. which she gets a fair amount, but, like, we spend a lot of time with just the rescuers kind of, you know, yeah. investigating and going about their thing. We could have even had more time with her, because she is interesting and over the top. Yeah, she's the kind of villain that I enjoy, which is someone who is very off-putting, mm-hmm. but also, like... I've met that person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know that person. Yeah. That person exists. And you can tell that she's evil by the way that she packs her suitcase. Oh, yeah. Only psychopaths (laughs) pack their suitcase by just (laughs) hurling stuff into it. She just comes out with an armful of nonsense (laughs) and drops it all in. Yep. Wrong with you. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny at the beginning. So uh, we talked about how this is based on the first two books. And the way that they they credit it in the opening credits of this movie is it's it, the title comes up the rescuers or whatever and it says quote suggested by the rescuers and Miss Bianca suggested by yeah suggested that's by am- I didn't notice that that's amazing is that like the nineteen seventies way of saying uh, loosely very based loosely on, very inspired loosely inspired by, by? I think yeah. so I think we should use that more often yeah. Because I feel like we've done a lot of adaptations oh, yeah. on here For where sure. it would be more accurate to say suggested by. Yeah, suggestive of. There yeah. was a central idea and we ran with it. Yeah. Yeah, this is the LaCroix adaptation of <laughs> of this. Somewhere in another room in another building, the, the book, book was, was shouting while we were writing it. <laughs> so I made a note... About Bernard and his superstitious number 13 thing. Yeah. Because I didn't know what that was about, and I couldn't remember if it paid off in any way. It it did not, right? It doesn't, no. No. He just, like, for the first half of the movie, he's, like, always counting his steps, and he's like, oh, 13, that's unlucky. We should take the train instead. Yeah. And then just nothing. Nothing comes of it. Yeah. I was really, like, waiting for that, and then... No. It's nope. mentioned a couple more times, but it doesn't pay off in yeah. any, real, any real way, which was disappointing. I thought it was funny, though, that the opening credits sound like a Bond song. It was such a weird, yeah. like a weird tone for like a kid's adventure movie. It felt like that this, because really, if you go back and you listen to the opening credits, if you pull up your Disney Plus, just, it's a Bond song. It's like a Bond song, but it's like, it's very strange to me. Over matte paintings, over just yeah. like literal like still yeah, paintings. Yeah, they're just still paintings. There are a couple songs. Is it the same woman, do you think? I think it might be, sings? yeah. Did they just like hire, just like sing whatever you want and we'll put it in the movie? Yeah, it didn't really feel like it fit the like vibe of the film. Yeah. Again, it kind of, they all kind of sound like in, like strange like 670s like It's almost ballad-y, like, like, like loungy kind yeah. of. Yeah, like it's Bond. Weird. Bond credit songs. It was very interesting. So one when the when the mice show up, Penny asking the real questions in this movie. She's like, "Didn't you bring somebody big with you, <laughs> like the police?" They're like, "Hey, she's got, she's got the real questions We're here." We're mice. <laughs> We're mice. We got we got. Calm down. That's racist. <laughs> The speciesist. Speciesist. I, is her teddy bear supposed to be Winnie the Pooh? Penny's teddy bear? I don't know. Because that could not look so. more like Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's it looks pretty much Winnie like the Winnie the Pooh, the Pooh except without well, the red shirt. That, why wouldn't they just make it Winnie the Pooh then? Because Disney owns Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. Disney think, owns everything. Well, I think it is Winnie the Pooh. They just didn't say it. I think that's why it looks that much like it. Is I think it's supposed to be, but they just didn't like... It was more like an Easter egg thing. Oh, maybe. Is what it felt like to me, because it looks so much like Winnie the Pooh. Such a specific era of Disney movie. What is the Pat Buttram era? The Pat Buttram era is what I've decided to call this era of Disney movie. He voices the uh, swamp critter who has the jug of moonshine. And he's in, like, he has, like, some role in 
darn near every animated feature like from this era like he has a role in robin hood he's in the aristocats Mm. he's in the fox and the hound that's all i can think of off of the top of my head yeah but that those are all like my least favorite disney movies you don't like robin hood I don't know if I've ever seen Robin Hood, but like, Aristocats like doesn't Robin do anything for me from what I remember. I never liked Fox and the Hound because it was just too sad. I don't love Fox and the Hound. I, I like I like Aristocats. I don't um, remember a lot about Aristocats. I have a uh, I have like nostalgia. Yeah. For the Aristocats because I used to watch it with my siblings a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I liked this one because I, I remember yeah. watching this one a lot, but but it it is. A, like it's a specific era of Disney movie, and I think it's an era that's like a little bit harder to watch as an adult. Yeah, like a lot of these. Like I don't know if I would enjoy this movie if I didn't have like a childhood fondness for it. Yeah, I don't know if I would either. To be I think fair. I, that was I a lot might. Of what I was. I think I might enjoy parts of it. Yeah, but I don't know if I would enjoy it overall. Like some. Other eras of Disney movie, I think, are just a little more richly layered mm-hmm, than for this sure. one. There's there's more going on. Oh, for sure. Thematically, yeah, there's thematically, just nothing going on yeah, in this movie. Storytelling-wise, yeah. um, even visually. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I, I was Because that was one of my biggest things. It's like I, I, I enjoyed watching it again when we just now because, again, I was remembering things. I was like remembering what I would remembered about it. Um. But yeah, there's not like thematically, like I said, there's nothing, nothing really interesting going on like mm-hmm. at all. Like it's like, oh, I've, uh, greed's bad, and 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 orphans, you'll eventually find a home. If you, yeah, if you, I mean, yeah, that's as close like, as we get to themes. But they're 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 Lacroix themes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah, it's nothing to it. It's yeah. just uh, yeah, it didn't didn't do a lot on that front for me. Which is like you said, I I think when you're watching as an adult, you're looking for more depth in that regard. Yeah, and there's a little a bit there. more to chew on. Yeah. Well then, final verdict. Let's do it. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence. But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. So I'm going to give this one to the movie. Um, It's got a lot of issues, like, namely, some things that haven't aged well. Yeah. Um, And like we were just talking about, I think it is a little bit harder to watch as an adult, which is not an issue necessarily, but it is something that I think can affect your enjoyment of it. However... I think if we tallied up marks, yeah, I think the movie overall has more intriguing elements than the books do. Yeah, the books have some intriguing elements, but overall, I thought they were kind of boring. Okay, I think the movies were maybe a little bit more imaginative. Okay, um, and then if you couple that with like the awkward pseudo-sexual descriptions of a mouse. Like, if it was just the one description of her at the front, sure, fine. Yeah. But it just keeps happening for no reason okay. throughout both books. I could see that that definitely would be a lot, especially because you're expecting a kid's book, and then it's like this yeah. kind of sexualization is a little little, little strange it's for what you're... It's a little... Oof. Okay. If you say so, I'll take your word for it. It sounded like a sexy mouse to me, so... so we're going with the movie for the rescuers that's gonna do it for this episode as always you do us a great big favor by rating and reviewing us on itunes or anywhere else you listen to us you can also do us a great big favor by supporting us on patreon just go to patreon.com slash this film is lit if you subscribe for at least five dollars a month you will get access to our bonus episodes we've talked about the witcher the mandalorian knives out Uh, i really set to everybody just as kind of a preview but uh, a handful of other things. We've released, I don't know, four or five episodes so far on the patron bonus feed, and we'll have more coming in the very near future. So yeah, support us uh, on patreon.com slash this film is lit, and it's super great if you do that. Katie, what's coming up next? Well, coming up next is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I'm very excited about it. We are staying in the realm of animation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to maybe be a little bit 
more for us to tackle. Okay. We are going to be talking about Howl's Moving Castle. Ooh, this is one I did not know was based on a book. Yeah. And this is a Miyazaki that I have not seen. Yeah. Because I've only seen two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Howl's Moving Castle. All right, I've heard good things about this. I've heard good things about everything. I've heard good things about the movie and the book, so I'm really excited about this. Cool. Me too. That'll be really fun. This is definitely... uh, Do you know, and I'm putting you on the spot, and you may not know, and if you don't, just say, I don't know. Are there any other Miyazaki films that are based on books? Um... Off the top of my head, I don't know. Okay. We'll look into that and we'll yeah. see. Because this could be interesting if there if there were more we could do. Maybe there's if there's a book for Spirited Away, I want to read it so that maybe I'll understand what that movie's about. And there, then I'll, maybe I don't I'll like it. I think there is. Dang I think it. it's more based on like folklore. But I could be wrong. There's my controversial hot take for this episode. I don't get Spirited Away at all. I need to watch it again, but I watched the one time I watched it. I did not understand why it is so beloved. It's got some really cool animation and some interesting ideas, but I just didn't get it. And I wasn't sure what I was supposed to get from it. Anyways, somebody was probably furiously typing what I'm supposed to get for. I just I have I to rewatch. All of our comments on this episode are going to be explaining Spirited I, Away. I need to you. rewatch it. I need to rewatch it. I'm, I'm not saying it, I did not saying it was bad or that I disliked it. It just didn't. I was because I and I think part of it was that I not too far long before that uh, watched Kiki's Delivery Service, which I thought was delightful and I loved. And then Spirited Away, I was just like, this is just strange, and I don't understand <laughs> what the message is. <laughs> So, but anyways, that's a, that's a discussion for another time. Thank you again until two weeks from now when we discuss Howl's Moving Castle. To all of you guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else, keep reading books, keep watching movies, and, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.